Welcome to another episode of Hockey 24-7, brought to you by Raider Media. As always, I'm Derek Alberts, and as always with me is... Tyron Barnard. You know, I listened to that one where I tried to do the, the voice. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I, made my, I made my wife listen to it. Yeah. And then she didn't want to listen to the rest of the podcast. So <laughs> I figured... Was it I'll that good? Yeah. yeah we, had, we, kept we, it on we had to go for a walk away quickly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So you have to cool off. Yeah, yeah. Ice cold, ice cold bath. Um, <laughs> Kath, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let, let's do it again, though. <clears throat> In the blue corner, we have Derek. Alberts. And in the red corner, weighing in at a certain weight, is Tyron Jabu Bonnard. Okay, that was, that was a bit better. That was good. And then <laughs> introduce our guest. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, hailing from Benoni, moving to Durban. Nobody's really sure why. The one, the only, Jethro Ray Eustace. How's that good for an evening. intro? Welcome, Jethro. Good evening, gentlemen. Yes, you guys sound like you're having an absolute storm of the evening. Yeah, there was something in my coffee now, I think. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. No, listen, the coffee's going good in my side too, so bring it on. Lovely stuff. Uh, yeah, Jethro, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's it's great to have you on board. Um, uh, what are you up to today? How was your yeah, day? No, yeah, no, very good. I think uh, a, a slow start to Monday morning, but uh, yeah, I think very good. I think, uh, yeah, busy weekend. Uh, coached uh, on Friday night, coached Saturday, helped out at mini hockey on Sunday. So yeah, busy weekend, but uh yeah, slow start to Monday morning, just obviously get into the week, I suppose. Yeah, good to hear. Now, you're a man of many talents, uh, probably first and foremost, the biggest of which being hockey, a uh, dual indoor and outdoor player, and Tyron, uh, responsible for one of the most famous goals uh, ever scored for a South African team. Definitely one of the most important, uh, and that was uh, the, the drag flick that uh, won South Africa the African Cup of Nations in 2017. Is that the best goal of your career? <laughs> Most definitely. I think we've actually had a, a chat about that. I think, uh, yeah, I think the opportunity to go to Egypt to play the African Cup qualifier over there uh, is always going to be a tough contest. And I think we played reasonably well in the pool stages to then get to the final against obviously our, our rivals, African rivals, Egypt. And yeah, I think with about two and a, two and a bit minutes to go, it was yeah, but we were a bit under pressure. And I think what was nice is. Yeah, coach gave me the opportunity. Uh, Tim Drummond, the captain at the time, said, Jet, let's just put it in the same space you want me to put it. And I just put my head down and uh, flicked it into the nest. So, yeah, grateful, grateful opportunity. And, yes, it was a good opportunity to get uh, South Africa uh, they, they, or they have at least their chance at the World Cup last year. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I think for me, as, as much as I um, have spoken to you about it and, and we wrote, I wrote the article back on, in November that year about it, it really, for me, was the moment where you stepped out of, and, and not to say you were in their shadows, but you almost stepped out of the shadows and, and moved from being one of the lads to being the lad that uh, SA Hockey needed. Uh, have you felt a new weight of expectation on your shoulders after that? No, I, you, I think uh, I think the experiences that I've, I've gained playing for the national team has been a little bit, you are learning, learning massively. And I think, uh, yeah, I think, 
towards the last uh, two years, it's given me the confidence to play well at provincial hockey. And now it's, it's time for me to step up and, and try and yeah, keep those performances where they should be and, and, and raise the bar for SA hockey. I think it's nice to yeah lead off the guys that have been in the squad for, for more than 10 years and, and, and the likes of Austin Smith and Rex Halkett at the defensive positions that they, they play to assist me to, to learn the work. I think it's been good. It's been a good challenge, and then uh, yeah, opportunity to go go in and 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 now uh, set the bar uh, is, is something I'm, I'm always been wanting to do, and and something I hopefully I continue doing over the next couple of years. Because yeah, it's it's actually quite interesting that you you mentioned the certain names that you've mentioned because uh, you came in on the back of the uh, Paul Rivington Golden team, and um, you almost are, are one of the few players in that cusp in between the the the. The youngsters breaking in and the old guard from the old Revington days, you know, has that made it difficult in terms of of getting in the squad that you weren't really in either of the two major groups that made up the team, but more of a more of an individual that had been pulled through because of your skills and talents. Yeah, I think you're right. I think what was yeah, I think interesting at the time, um, especially when the youngsters got their got their opportunity. I was almost almost. In like you, exactly how you say it is in the middle between two age groups that were one taking the team forward and two learning the ways. Um, yeah, and, and it was nice to yeah. I think with Tim Drummond uh, as the captain at the time, who who I'm I played probably a large portion of my career with. Um, yeah, he, he sort of also set the tone when he became captain, and and I just pretty much just tucked behind him to make sure that the. The SA men's team had a culture that was going to be followed, and and yeah, I think I was very fortunate that uh, I was in between a gap where I could be some some sort of a leader for the younger guys, and then also learning the ways with the with the older guys. Yeah. Joe, uh, we've got Bumaneswa uh, coming up soon, and uh, I think is it a place that that holds uh, a special place in your heart? I can imagine with um last year's tournaments over there i think it's where you earned your 100th cap if i'm not mistaken so you spot on derek uh, it was a, yeah, it was a great, uh, great opportunity to go and play hockey in india i've never played hockey in india um and then yeah the very first game was uh, against the host nation um and it was for my 100th cap which was yeah, one of those moments that i think yeah few players do get the opportunity to get especially uh, the dynamic of sa hockey um, but yeah, one of those that I'll never, I'll never forget. I think, uh, I think it took like about six days to actually try and get into the, the, the mode of understanding what did, what had happened and what was going to happen. Um, yeah, so it was a good, it was a good experience. Maybe, uh, uh, yeah, a tough one to take on the results, but at the end of the day, yeah, you take those achievements and you, yeah, you, you accept, uh, accept the, accept the rewards that, that, that are put in, yeah, put in to get there. Jed, we've spoken to Shelley Russell before, and um, you know at the moment she she's currently having a, a or about to have a baby, so uh, no playing for her as yet. But she hasn't retired from the sport, and she's eyeing that three hundred cap milestone. And is is that something that you look at? Uh, I'm not talking about the number three hundred, but we spoke about getting your century of caps. Uh, and and as you spoke about, it, it's certainly significant in a South African landscape, given. The, the troubles that you have to endure as a SA hockey player. I mean, is it something that you that you look on and, and think, wow, I, I really want to be able to achieve big milestones like a century, like a double century, etc. Yeah, I think 
I think like you, you look at those special players. I think there's a lot of the ladies that have had those uh, achievements, and there's going to be obviously a few more that will get more as we as we go into the qualifying tournaments for the Olympics and and into the Olympics. But yeah, the men have been a little bit uh, unfortunate in the way that they are. we haven't played as many games. So yeah, they're ex- uh, yeah, accepting the amount of caps you get and and understanding where it potentially could be the next one is also sometimes an unknown. I think tend to lack in South Africa is, is, is a full-time program that you know that you'll be you'll be in a system where yeah you could be earning caps and you could be going into the next level but at the same time with the men's program at the moment we're really just trying to yeah we're trying to see if we can quit our lives that obviously are taking place else off the field and then uh, as long as tournaments keep coming by you, you try and see if you can be available and put the performances to get there so it is it's tough for the men's team uh, I also know that there's a little bit of a dynamic with the ladies that they're also trying to get back into the mould where they get a lot of tests. But, yeah, I think it's, it, it is something you want as a player want to achieve to get as many caps as you can get. But I think it is a tough one, especially when we don't have a full-time programme, especially when you look at the European players that are very similar age to me. They're getting close to 350 caps, and, and it's yeah, a bit of a different dynamic, I would say. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, the the realistic nature of global hockey is that um, if you were to get a whole bunch of caps over the next couple of years, we'd probably be playing a lot of them in, unfortunately, not the most competitive uh, opponents because of Pro League and the the limits of um, accessibility to the top teams right now. Yeah, and I think uh, the dynamic of where we sit uh, in, in, in the structures of, of the, the top tier and the, and the middle tiers, we're going to be probably playing against uh, the, the bottom tier a little bit more often. And, and it's a bit sad, but at the same time, it's probably going to be a structure where we're going to have to try and improve and, and maybe get our full plan and, and, and structure in place to hopefully get the opportunities of the World Cups and the Olympic Games to then hopefully push ourselves into, uh, into uh, the top flight. And, uh, and I think, yeah, with the talent we have in South Africa, we, we, we could fit in the, in the top flight. It's just hopefully we get the structures in place to make it easy and accessible for those to, to compete and play. Yeah. With, whether it's lower or upper tier, Jet, um, it, it's going to be doing it with a new coach on board. Uh, Gareth Ewing, happy with the appointment? Yeah. Yeah, no, very much so. Um, Gareth and I, I was very fortunate at school time um, at, JP, at JP High School for Boys. Is in my grade 10 and 11 and 12 year. He was my first in coach, so I was, I was I'm, I'm pretty in a good position, I think, uh, if, we, if, we, if I just keep my performances up to work with him. But uh, yes, I think uh, Gareth has, has gained the experience overseas and then he's, he's come back to South Africa and, and produced results provincially and at club level and then obviously with the SA under 21. So I, I think his appointment is, is probably a good one to see because it, it, it shows the, the structures in place to get a coach from. Uh, junior all the way all the way through to the senior program, so that's probably a good thing to tick the box with. But yeah, Gareth uh, Gareth uh, has got a lot of experience, and I, and I think he's got quite a nice vision for the boys. Leading off Mark Hopkins is is, is game plans and 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 potentially structures that he had in place. So yeah, I think it's maybe a nice a nice era to see where the where the SMN's team ends up, and 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 hopefully in a in a lot better space than it has been over the last three three to four years. Yeah. Oh man, it's such a pity then because he's he's gone on record to say that uh, he'll refrain from uh, selecting anyone that uh, was at his old schools unless he's accused of favoritism. <laughs> no, I think uh, the conversations I've had had with him over the last uh, two three weeks is yes, the Jeffy the Jeffy connection could be an interesting one, and and hopefully, yeah, and hopefully it will be positive more than negative. Yes.
Yeah, I also heard he's a bit of an ageist. He only likes players over 31 <laughs> and under 28. <laughs> yeah, damn it, then I'm just missing the bracket, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jed, obviously, I mean, we, we talk about the challenges from an outdoor hockey point of view, but it would be remiss not to talk about the challenges uh, that you also faced over the past 12 months from an indoor hockey point of view. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I agree with you. I know you're probably going to ask a question, there and I want to jump in because yeah. I'm too excited because I, lo- I enjoy my indoor too much to to let it go. Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, the struggles, the struggles with the indoor. It's just it, it just seems like you you have to put a lot of effort in. And and when you look at the SA lady structures, I mean, it's, it's amazing how much effort they put in, and 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 they will re- reap the rewards in in probably two years time when they can qualify again for the next World Cup. Um, I mean, a lot of those ladies are playing a lot of games again and, and getting the experience to play international hockey. And the men are just sitting and waiting for the opportunity, which is a little bit of a disappointing uh, position for me because, yeah, I would also like to be in a, uh, in a, in a playing position to take, to take that, uh, that forward as well. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, you know, Jed, I think just for, for listeners to hear as well, I mean, last year, uh, take us through all the different tournaments you played in in 2018. <laughs> yeah, I was very. Uh, yeah, I, had, I think uh, when we when we look at my academic side, maybe I just took a bit of a, a gap from studying. But uh, yeah, uh, February went to the, yeah February went to the Indoor World Cup. Um, for that was my first time to to play indoor in the major tournament. Uh, in April went to the Commonwealth Games. Uh, played uh, the local RPT, the local PHL, and then uh, very fortunate to to get a chance to go to the World Cup. So. Yeah, I think if you look at a, at a at a twelve month year, it was almost a eight month year of just constantly playing hockey, um, and then you're yeah, trying to fit in everything else that uh, goes with uh, being a South African player. And and obviously, as one of the few people, um, and offhand right now, I can think only of you and maybe Momia uh, that played at both World Cups last year. But- that is, yeah, actually, that is correct. And and even if we look at uh, at, a, at an international level, I think there's probably only two Belgians and two South Africans that went and played at both World Cups. So, yeah, I think it's a very unique situation to find that uh, you, you get uh, a person to be involved in indoor and an outdoor World Cup. So, yeah, I think probably a unique unique stat to maybe find out and check up and, and see where, where Mo and myself fit in because it probably hasn't happened before. And And... Having experienced both in the same calendar year, I mean, how do they stack up? Yeah, no, wait. I, I really enjoyed uh, Berlin. Uh, that was where the the Indoor World Cup was hosted in February, and that experience was something I, I yeah I, I don't think you can try and explain that somebody has to go and see and and be a part of. Um, just speaking to a lot of the guys that have played the previous Indoor World Cups, I think they also took that as one of the best uh, tournaments that they've been part of. Um, but then to go to India, where the, the hockey madness for the for the love of the game and for the sport and the crowd and the, and the yeah, you know, it's just that was also one of those things that you can't explain. But yeah, where do you put them? You can't compare the two because for me, yeah, to have fifteen thousand people watch a hockey match or four thousand people watch a hockey match, you, you still yeah, you can't grasp that, especially when you play hockey in South Africa when we only get probably fifty to maybe one hundred and fifty people that watch a hockey match. You mentioned uh, Berlin and Bubaneswa. Uh, 
mean, it, it goes without saying that hockey certainly afforded you the opportunity to to travel the world. I mean, just going uh, through your career, I mean, I think that the first time you played for South Africa was uh, over in Rio. Then uh, you look at the likes of Malaysia, Nairobi, the Netherlands, England, Scotland, uh, the list goes on and on. Um, so, so from a purely travel point of view, actually, no, from, from an everything point of view, throw it all in. I mean, what has been your best experience outside of South Africa? Well, yeah, <laughs> Derek, I think your comment is, is perfect. It's, it's all those countries, and then you say, what's the best experience? It's tough to say. Um, I really enjoyed my experience when I went to Malaysia. I think uh, it was it was a bit of a different uh, culture shock for me, and I think living there, because I, I played in the, the, the Malaysian Hockey League, which is one of their professional leagues in their country. Uh, I was there for just over two months, and, and for me it was, a, it was something totally different. I think, yeah, the likes of, of the European clubs have their structures, they have their things in place, but Malaysia just does it slightly different and they do it in an Asian way and, and I think that culture was something I really enjoyed and, and the friendship that I've gained from there is I'm still going to hopefully hopefully catch a game against them uh, sometime soon, but yeah, I, I, I still chat to a lot of those guys and, and yeah, and the experiences I think we had together was quite nice to, to keep up the conversation. So, I would say put one we are. I mean, all the countries that I've been to probably <laughs> difficult to put one ahead of another. But Malaysia was a good a good experience for me, especially on my own and 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 probably being only person from the western part of the world to play yeah play in that in that league at the time. I'll pose the same question that I posed to Justin Reed Ross a, a couple of months ago. And I, I, we sound like a broken record in that we consistently talking about the ills of hockey within South Africa, and the lack of the support, the lack of finances, etc. And And is it tough... When, when you do travel the world and you rub shoulders with international hockey stars and they are treated like royalty and, I mean, they are, are certainly paid above and beyond which, which players back here uh, can, can really only dream of. Um, I mean, d- does it make you to hark for, for, for bigger and better things? I mean, do you sit there and think, oh, man, you must see it back home. It, it's certainly not like this. Yeah, I think uh, the conversations I think we have as 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 the well, especially with the younger guys that are in the national men's program that are obviously also looking at at going further and and going overseas and earning some money. Um, but it, it's amazing that we yeah we just we we unfortunate. I mean it's 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 in every aspect we're unfortunate because our passport doesn't help us get over easily. Um, at at work opportunities also quite difficult when you're over there. So. Yeah, we're in a bit of a sad state, and, and it's sad to say it like that because maybe I'm being a little bit too negative, but it's just the, the, the reality of it. But when you're looking at these stars, I, I think there's a lot of guys that are talented enough to be as good or even ranked as one of the best players in the world. And it's just sad that we don't have something in place that can make those and, and make probably six or seven guys in South Africa be recognized in the world's um, world's talents. I mean, yeah, you look at Justin Reed Ross, Austin Smith that have played in, in Holland, um, they are recognized by, by the Dutch players and, and as of the best in, in players in the world. And it's just a bit sad that we don't have more of that just coming through and coming through and coming through. And oh, I can definitely see that with, uh, with the youngsters of Diane Kassim and Co, uh, they are going to probably be stars anyway because they're trying to fly their trade overseas. But it's just sad that we can't say in South Africa we'll be, you'll be a full-time hockey player. And, and you'll earn enough to keep you going and, and then be probably ranked as one of the best players in the world because you have the time and the, the need to get better. Um, we've definitely got the structures. I mean, the university structures are unbelievable. You look at the sevens with their Stellenbosch 
uh, high performance centre that they have there. It's definitely possible, but it's just obviously we need those structures in place to make it make it effective and and and, and help the I suppose the next generation through. Yeah, and speaking of the next generation, I mean, you, you've mentioned Diane, but is there is there anyone else that you've uh, seen either at varsity level, playing at indoor at PSR, anyone that, or or anywhere really that uh, is someone you think the general public should be aware of because uh, they're going to make some some magic in SA hockey. Well, yeah, we go. We can easily just go uh, with Diane's brother, Mustafa. I think he's by by far one of the, the most talented underage, uh, under eighteen kids that I've seen play in a while. Um, I've actually got a uh, me that plays for the club uh, at Kersey now. He's just an ex college boy. Um, he's he's something that I haven't seen play before. Peter Jarvis, some someone that I've worked with before. Those these are these are yeah. And and the sad thing is, I can only you know, you're giving me time to only name a few. But I would like to name, yeah, lots and lots and lots because there's so much talent. There's too much talent in South Africa again to, to say that, yeah, maybe we, we won't be able to compete in the international stage because I see that's not, that's just a little bit negative to say because we can compete. We'll be there. We've we, we got the talent. We've definitely got the kids um, and all from all parts of South Africa. Um, yeah, and it's, and it's interesting that, yeah, we talk about club hockey and I think club hockey will assist a lot of these guys and university structures will assist these guys as best as possible, but we need we need a little bit more. We need something something seriously in place to make it a, a true dynamic that can change the culture, definitely for the younger generation coming through. Yeah, look, I mean, if uh, Derek speaks very highly about our our school rugby system, I think our school yeah. hockey system is is right up there um, from a quality point of view, and I, I really do think when you see some of our schools go and travel overseas, they don't they don't just go and go overseas and get a pasting they go and compete so yeah. you know we've got the abilities we've got the the talent we have a really good varsity structure i think in usa we have one of the best tournaments that we have in the country it's just that integration from youth and and i, I suppose probably from a club hockey point of view our club yeah. hockey is a, a very stagnated uh, you know, teams feature the same players this year as they did 15 years ago. It's, sure. you know, I, I think for me, that's probably where our biggest challenge lies is probably at a club level. Level, yeah. No, I think, Ty, I think you got it spot on. And and maybe we, yeah, we as as, as members of clubs haven't really thought about what we're going to do with structures. Because we know the school structures. I mean, I, uh, I, yeah, I've been fortunate of working at, at, at Westville Boys for the last four or five years and now working up at Kersney College. Um, and just seeing, just through two schools and playing against, yeah, I think probably the top hockey schools in the country, seeing the talent that we have there, and then we don't have, have, have a place where we can get them to feed on and, and, and improve even more by having an extra session or an extra game a weekend um, with the club structures. And it's, yeah, it's sad that the club structures haven't gone to the next level. Um, I suppose there are things being put in place at the moment that, that hopefully will drive something new, but it's just sad that we haven't done more in, 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 especially from that matric, when the people finish matric, they, some go obviously to university structures where all, things are happening, others miss out and then, and then they obviously find work and then yeah, give up at the end of the day, I think. That's also the, the concern we have is we have a large portion that give up the game, which is not especially what I'm trying to do, is not allow that to happen. The guy must have his opportunity to see if he's good at this game and, and go to the next level. Yeah. Oh, no, I absolutely agree with you. I think uh, I, I look at myself, uh, you know, 
much like you staying in the East Rand and I went yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, back then it was called Ra University and uh, I just wanted to play club hockey from a a social point of view um, as yeah. I, I was a pretty average player. But uh, even just playing from a social point of view, it wasn't easily accessible. Or if I wanted to join a, a, a slightly better league, I would have to drive half an hour during yeah. the week for practices each way. So, you know, accessibility of hockey is always going to be a problem and it's always going to be, or maybe not always a problem, but always will be a challenge. And then, yeah, quality of competition and, um, as you say, keeping the youngsters playing. I mean, I remember coaching some guys at under-21 level, uh, 18-year-old boys who who don't even play the game anymore and and were up there with some of the most talented players I'd ever seen. No, I agree. And, and yes, I know the exact dynamic coming from the East and, and trying to play in the Joburg League. And I know, actually, I've, I, I went uh, and, and spent some time at Benay Northerns um, and found that there's actually a group that actually plays in the Joburg League from from the East. And, and for them, it's, it's, it's a tough task for them to ask to go and, and, and travel 45 minutes to play and train. Um, and, and, and then, yes, they might not be playing in the right league. They might be playing in, in one league too high or one league too low. And yeah, what is the yeah, what is the benefit? And also coming back to your point with the amount of kids, I, yeah, I mean I've worked worked with a lot of school kids over the last five six years, and and yeah, bumping into them on occasion uh, for a coffee or something like that, and, and finding that they're not playing hockey is a little bit of a disappointment for me because you want to make make an environment that they are sort of keen to play the game and and get and yeah, get more get more out of the game, and and in long term, if you think about hockey, uh, yeah, there's 65 year olds that are still playing, and and that's what you want to try and do is keep keep the people in for the next 40 years to play the game. Jet, you, you speak about being at uh, Westball and moving over to Kersney. How have you enjoyed the move uh, from Johannesburg to the coast? <laughs> yes, I think I think studying uh, it helped me move. Uh, I think I was in a, in a nice group there in Peter Maritzburg and then moved down to Durban uh, for, for my postgrad and, and for my master's. Um, it, yeah, it's been a different dynamic. I think Joburg's all the, the, the hustle and rush and and, and catch up with uh, with the times and, and where Durban sometimes a little bit more relaxed to watch the waves come in and, and, and enjoy summer three six five. So yeah, I think the time and the and the the enjoyment of, of the people that I've met down here has made it really, really good. Um and yeah, I've I've yeah, I've enjoyed myself and I think it's also in, influenced my game to, to potentially be the, the thing that's dry, driven me to the next to the next level. I think Natal has generally played a decent brand of hockey and I fitted into their culture and enjoyed that, and I think that's what kept me quite positive and, you know, and excited to see what the next uh, next couple of years potentially could be. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Peter Maritzburg. I, I think the contrast between Johannesburg and and the last outpost uh, could, could not be bigger. <laughs> massive, massive difference. I think we're, even now it's a bit uh, yeah, it's a bit tough to say like you you went to Maritzburg because yeah, the universities had, had, had especially for the hockey scene has gone through a bad period. But yeah, I think uh, yeah, Natal itself has, has definitely been a sport-mad uh, province and, and trying to be better. And uh, yes, maybe Joburg has the numbers and, and, and Pretoria is starting to get their, their numbers right and Cape Town and, and, and that have got plenty of structures in place. But Natal has always played a decent brand of hockey and, 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 uh, and, yeah, and I've fitted into it. So I've enjoyed the moment, enjoyed the, the move as well. And also from a, an indoor hockey point of view, surely being down in... in uh, Durban is is just better for you because it seems to be the one place in the country that really takes indoor hockey seriously. 
Yeah, time. I think a couple of conversations I've had with uh, with a lot of people is when you look at uh, when you look at international aspects. Obviously, with Germany and Austria being the powerhouses of indoor, uh, you look at South Africa just by that reference, and you say, well, Natal has to be uh, the Germany and or and Austria of the, of of the hockey. Uh, or indoor hockey of South Africa, and, and yeah, you have to if you want to, and the, and the place that's only really taking it to the next level is 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 Natal at this present moment. I have seen good things coming out of Western Province and Southern, but yet uh, yeah, Natal still keeps r- r- uh, rating up there as one of the best indoor indoor provinces, especially on the girls' side and the guys' side. So it's 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 exciting to see. I mean, obviously the results at this year's IPT were slightly different, but again, the Natal sides were were. We're reasonably up there and, and, and still setting the bar, I think. No, look, and I, I, I think, again, Natal, you know, your results, you say, are disappointing, but at the end of the day, Natal did not lose um, at this IPT in normal time. It took a, a shootout uh, defeat yeah. to Namibia, where Namibia saved two two shots on the line, and on another day, it's a three or four one <laughs> win. And do yeah. you consider it's a Natal team that... Uh, over the past two years, has lost essentially twelve players. I still think they they're pretty clearly the powerhouse of of hockey yeah. in South Africa. Of indoor yeah, hockey. agreed. And 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 definitely when you yeah, just look at representation, especially over the last three to four years, eighty percent of the side comes from the toll. And and I think it's just uh, even though maybe the the dynamic of of club structure in South Africa with indoor is not taken seriously elsewhere, the toll take the indoor seriously. And I think it. It, it sort of leads towards why I think maybe the the uh, the, um, the Natal teams have done well in the outdoor team, it's, uh, the outdoor IPTs at the moment is because maybe the indoor structures have have, have filtered in with the outdoor program a little bit, uh, and and now all of a sudden allowed that opportunity to be something where we set the bar again. And I think yeah, it's been a good time for me, especially when when uh, when I've come in and 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 really jumped in and and moved with the time of Natal hockey. And put and, and help push it to be one of the best uh, hockey provinces in in South Africa at the moment. Well, yeah, look, and and became the first the first province uh, as far as my records go, and and uh, by no means are those hundred percent complete. But they became the first province, or you guys became the first province to win the double double. Your men yeah. and women who held both indoor and outdoor titles at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, when you look, at, especially, yeah, I think the dynamic with the, the ladies has also come through with a lot of the experienced players. And again, the person you spoke about earlier, Derek, is, is Shelly Russell, has also come down and, and, and established herself in, in the Natal setup. And, and maybe have brought, has brought in the experience from South Africa into the youth and has allowed them to guide the ladies section into also being very, very competitive. And then you look at the indoor part of it, um, with Lenny Boerter involved, it's, it's made the structure very good, and 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 yeah, can only see great improvements from from especially the girls that have been participating with the with the, with the structures of of Natal hockey, especially. So yeah, I think it's it's been it's been good. It's been a good period for Natal, um, and to be yeah, uh, yeah, I would like to see that stat as well if that's uh, that's something that we can find out. Um, but yeah, something to raise the bar again. If if that's the record, we need to find somebody that can push it and, and break it even further. Jed, be honest, when introducing yourself to people for the first time and, and given your success with the indoor hockey side, uh, do you introduce yourself as, uh, how's it, I'm Jethro, I'm, I'm a blipstock? <laughs> uh, I've got to say that, that that has definitely been something that we've tried to make a culture of, is yes, we are the blipstocker. Um, 
but it, it's been tough because, yeah, I think we know with social media the way that things go and, and trying to create the culture where we maybe don't, as a national program for the indoor side, it hasn't spent enough time to establish. But yes, with Blitzstalker, it's, it's so, it works so well because if you look at the, 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 the 15 man game with the Springboks and the Sevens in the Blitzbox, I think it works, it works, fits in perfectly because the Amastalker sort of have their, have their name with the, with the outdoor program and the Blitzstalks work perfectly as, as, as we look at those two structures. I mean, it, it, yeah, it fits perfectly, but I haven't, I would like to say I haven't used it yet. <laughs> But I could actually, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'd claim it. And you, <laughs> and I really do love the name, and you're 100% correct. I mean, in terms of getting a name out there or just getting the team culture out there with regards to social media, any media, getting a new culture on board. Uh, we were chatting to to the new coach, Gareth, and, and I mentioned this to him, and, and maybe from a, from a player's perspective, um, and you can give some buy in it. And like I said to Gareth, I wasn't giving him any tips or anything <laughs> by any means, but I, I thought with, with a new coach comes new ideas, et cetera. And, and I love, you know, you, you, you take aspects from other sports and see what succeeds and what doesn't. And I love the idea of the Springboks, and they've been doing it for, for many years now. Uh, before each test match, they bring on board a former player, a former coach, or, or someone that, is highly regarded in rugby circles and they do the jersey handover the day before the test match. And I said to Gareth, we've got the, the, the series coming up now in India and a person like John T. Rhodes spends half of his of the year or probably three quarters of the year in India. And I mean, we all know his hockey background and, and to get people like him on board, um, maybe not necessarily full-time, but just to come in and maybe do a, a jersey handover, etc. I mean, to, to give a bit more prestige to the hockey jersey in South Africa. I fully agree. What's so nice about that is we, we have got some very good idols in the sporting environment in South Africa. And some of these idols are actually very good people and very nice people, humble people that will actually do that. And I think what's nice about yeah, mentioning Jonty is, is also Sean Pollock is, is his daughter plays hockey in the town here and, oh. and he's heavily involved around the scene. So he might also be another person we know that he also goes over to India to commentate and do all that stuff. So maybe also a person to, to see if we can get some sort of relationship going. Yeah, I mean, with his daughters playing hockey at St. Mary's, yeah, I think it's guaranteed to be something that could work out very well, I think. All right, Jet. So you know we're getting to that important time in the uh, in the the episode where you get to take part and and, and increase your honours list, but you get to take part in the now famous one question quiz, and um, it's really one of those question one of those quizzes that it's it's all or nothing at all, um, and uh, some would say they're quite easy questions. Some would say they're pretty horribly difficult. Um, we like to think that uh, they're at least achievable and uh, yeah I think we're looking at uh, uh, just just so you know it, it's not always about hockey it's, it's very rarely about hockey actually yeah usually because we are uh, thinking of a question on the spot but uh, <laughs> Jet I want to know from you your one question and, and I'm just making sure that it loads in the background yeah uh, to make sure I'm right, is who was South Africa's top goal scorer at the Indoor Hockey World Cup in Berlin? Yo, yeah, I think it was Ryan Julius with four Is that your final answer? 
There could be a couple of people on three goals, but I'm not sure. I think Ryan Julius on four goals, yes. So I'm just scrolling down to see Ryan Julius. Actually, yeah, actually I know exactly what it is. It's Matt Fairweather on four goals. It is Matt Fairweather. Yeah. All of his goals from the penalty corner. And in fact, uh, second highest scorer for South Africa. You might know this guy. He didn't score any penalty corners because they didn't let him take them. But uh, <laughs> Jethro Eustace. Hey, hey, jump on the list at least. <laughs> well done. Uh, I, I had such a good one lined up for you, but I, I can tell you what, uh, Tyron definitely had the easier one. Uh, let's see, how you, <laughs> let's see how, would you, how you would have done with this one. <laughs> when he laughs like this, it's not a good thing. <laughs> which, which band won a Grammy Award for Best Hard Rock Metal Performance uh, in 19... 19- 89. And I'll give you the name. The name of the album was Crest of a Knave. Ooh, no way. 1989 is the, the year that I was born. I think it's going to be a bit of a ah, test for me. Yeah? Then, yeah, so. I, I reckon, <laughs> I reckon that that's why you were named Jethro. Because Ooh. the band was Ooh. Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull, yes. Ian Anderson, I know. Very yes. well. And they, they, they've only ever won one Grammy, and that was in 1989. 89. And you I were born in 1989. That's correct. Like, and just to, just to be honest with you, that's exactly where I did get my name from. My parents are avid uh, listeners to Jess Rotel and Ian Anderson. So it, it is a little bit of an interesting music if you need to go and indulge yourselves with it. But uh, yes, no, very good. Uh, I, well, as soon as I heard it, I mean, I remember following your career back then. And I thought, hmm, yeah. there are not too many Jethro's around. I reckon <laughs> there's a good chance that your folks are big fans. Well, and, and no, you, know, sure. you know that uh, Jethro also shares a birthday with probably, maybe not necessarily the most popular, but definitely one of the most famous South African sportsmen. In He's the, a golfer. Golfer. He's a golfer. Yes. Ernie Els. No, no. More, more famous <laughs> than Ernie. Oh, with Gary Player. Yeah. Wow. That's correct. Wow. And That's correct. And yours truly. And you, same, oh, yeah. same birthday. So, same birthday. A, a few years, a few years apart. apart. Yeah. Um, Not too many. <laughs> uh, who, who can, can you out um, sit up Gary? Definitely not. I think I'll have to, I'll have to have a couple of breaks in between his first, probably his first set. And then, and then probably we'll be, uh, we'll be, we won't be able to walk it or sit, do a sit up again <laughs> in the next, <laughs> the next session. Yeah. I think the only thing I can beat Gary at is humility. Other than that, he's got hands up. Hundred I love, I love how our kids uh, get their names. My, my old man was a, a massive rugby fan, and he was a big yeah. fan of an all black flanker named Calvin Tremaine. And he came perilously close to naming me Tremaine, and my mom had to step in uh, at the at the last moment. No, no um, disrespect to anyone named Tremaine out there, but uh, I don't, I don't think it would have suited me. Have named Tremaine. <laughs> oh, Jethro, it's been amazing chatting to you. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. No, thank you, Derek. Thank you, Ty. I think uh, I think something that is amazing is what you guys are doing at the moment, and especially getting it out there for the hockey hockey crowd and. and yeah, I think we need more of this, and 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 hopefully it just boosts the uh, boosts the dynamic and boosts uh, the profile of, of a lot of players. And and yeah, it's already done that, and it's been exciting to see. Thank you, guys. Yeah, and and uh, Jed, we look, uh, yeah, we appreciate that, and we as as we uh, always say, uh, 
if uh, there's people wanting to tell hockey stories, we'll keep uh, we'll keep giving them a platform to do that. Lovely stuff. Uh, Jethro, thanks so much, man. Best of luck for the future. And uh, yeah, yeah big you. season awaits, and I'm sure you're going to shine out on the field and uh, on the indoor. Yeah, most definitely. I think we've got quite a nice program going forward for the outdoor, so, and we'll wait to see what Gareth does in the next couple of days. And yeah, I think he gets his squad together to probably go and get uh, get a couple of games and, and, and practices before the, the Indian series. So it's going to be quite nice. It's going to be quite nice. Thank you. And you're even going to crack his uh, JP boycott. Yeah, 100%. Full press, full press there from the JP boys, yeah. <laughs> Jetro, cheers, my man. Thank you, Jack. Thanks, Ty. Cheers. Oh, man, what a guy. Yeah, so by the time this goes out, uh, the squad will have been ratified. Yeah. And so I'll just say, congrats, Jet, on your selection. And uh, good luck for India. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And, uh, man, what, what a upbeat guy. I mean, I, I know I mentioned it again. Uh, we sound like a broken record in that we speak about the problems that hockey faces in South Africa, yet you hear his attitude towards it. And, I mean, you'd almost think, geez, it's, it's going from strength to strength. He's a very positive guy, and he knows it, it certainly needs work, but it's something that is achievable. Yeah, it's it's... You know what I've liked about the chats that we've had recently with uh, Gareth and with Jethro? Both of them speak with such positivity about the challenges that we're facing. Rather than looking at them as something to derail, they're looking at them as an opportunity to prove themselves. And doesn't that just speak to a, a South African mindset? Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, you... You can't take the sapphire out of a sapphire, no matter where they are in the world. And yeah. uh, as you heard uh, Jet speaking about now, he, he's been around the world, so he's seen quite a bit. But uh, he is South African through and through, and we are so glad to, uh, that he is one of ours. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back soon. Uh, you've been listening to Hockey 24-7, brought to you by Raider Media, with myself, Derek Alberts, and with... Jabu Adios. Cheers.